You are tripping absolute dick on mushrooms. I guess I need to pick it up with my own butthole. <laughs> It feels like a magic trick because some people tapping. Why are you asking such deep questions? Hey, go ahead, because there's a part of me that's like, if I keep talking, eventually I'm gonna have all the good shit out. <laughs> it's gonna be too. Late. I always think that, but it ne <laughs> it's never true. Fair, fair. My so my my always my biggest concern whenever it comes to like doing uh, any kind of recorded thing, mm -hmm. or like um, like I've never done a podcast before, but any kind of recorded thing that I'm like a uh, aware of. I'm afraid that I'm going to, like, I obviously I'm already way aware, but I'm afraid I'm going to become overly aware. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just afraid I'm going to become, like, overly aware and then ham it up or something like that. Like, mm. it, it's it's hard for me to just go naturally into something. Yeah. So usually one of the best ways to, to avoid that is when someone's like, cool, I'm recording this, by the way. No one, You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, great, I didn't even know. We're already yeah. in it. Which is usually how I start. I mean, like, I do value consent. Yeah, Especially well, when yeah, of course. recording somebody, sure, like, sure, but, sure. you know, come over for a podcast, that's kind of, you know, that's consent, consent right when there. you walk yeah, in yeah, the yeah. door. Yeah. Um, but on that same note, it's always good to know when the microphone is on, whether sure. that makes you ham it up or not. It's something that you should probably know about. Sure. And um, cheers, by the way. Oh, yeah, cheers. Appreciate it. Um, if you want more, there's a whole box. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I'm probably gonna be doing some heavy drinking tonight. If, you know, maybe not all the wine, but yeah, yeah. I found it's a good delivery method. Yeah, it's liquid courage, right? Helps those inhibitions go away. Um, but yeah, I have found that the fidget things and the fucking transformers and all that shit. Oh God, <laughs> really helps occupy the doing side of my brain while the talking side of my brain can focus on conversation and like yeah that makes sense i get that and i that's actually something i've never i've never considered trying to have a conversation while also fidgeting with something just on the off chance that it might ha actually like have some positive effect yeah it works better for stuff like like I, i'm not going to be able to figure out that other puzzle while right. i'm talking but like you know something i know what i'm already doing like you know transforming a robot right <laughs> um that i've already done a bunch of times which shout out to my coworker christian he got me hooked on fucking transformers again because oh, yeah. he's a huge transformer um enthusiast i'll say fair um and like he's been collecting for a long ass time. His collection is massive. Yeah. Like even bigger than my collection of Lego at this point. Which is substantial. So Which is substantial. <laughs> so right. fair. Okay. And that's that's cool. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's got something to take the pain away. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I 
I'm I think I'm I'm still figuring what that is for me out. Like it used to be, it used to be acting. That was my thing. I, I loved it. Um, but then I made the mistake of I don't know. Some are, some would argue it's not a mistake, but I, I, for me specifically, I made the mistake of trying to make that a career. Which when mm. the thing that you love to do, <laughs> when the thing that you love to do is dependent entirely on a paycheck, you tend to grow to kind of sometimes you, sometimes not for everybody but for me in my case I, I just started to resent it and I was mm. like oh I don't like that like I don't I got into acting because it was an outlet for my creativity it was something I genuinely enjoyed to do and then I guess somewhere along the way I was like oh I've got to do this for a career and then like I said once that once once I flipped that switch and it became all about like how am I gonna pay my bills I'm tired of being a waiter I don't want to do all that yeah I just I just couldn't do it anymore so I eventually I ended up having to, to kind of put that by the wayside and 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 just learned that it, it was something that I enjoyed doing as a hobby um but just just can't rely on it for a career right that's somewhat something that I've been dealing with recently with the podcast as well because mm. I've been like it's just you know that everybody's like if you want to get more listen to listeners like consistency is key you gotta mm, you know yeah. You gotta constantly be posting on a regular schedule when everybody knows you're gonna be posting and yada yada yada. You gotta advertise, advertise, advertise. Yeah. You gotta plug yourself all the time. I mean, it's, and like, it's a job. It's, it's a yeah, it's a fucking job, and I just literally do not have the time for mm -hmm. it, nor the know-how or right. ability. So you know, recently I woke up the other day sick as fuck, mm -hmm. like. Couldn't even get out of bed, really. Uh, luckily, not COVID. But, That's good. Yeah. Um, just couldn't really even move. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just sitting there thinking and thinking about, like, the podcast and how, like, the last, you know, couple of episodes that I had done weren't released on time. I didn't, you know, pay that close of attention to it. Like, I haven't been making my fake ads like I like to do. And, <laughs> like... I was just like, I should probably just quit. I'm not putting as much effort as I need to into this, and I should probably just stop. Mm -hmm. And, uh, got to thinking more about, like, well, why did I start doing it in the first place? And I started doing it in the first place because it's something that I really enjoy doing, is sitting here, having a conversation with people, getting down to the nitty-gritty, and, um... It's just, I just need to stop putting so much pressure on myself to do it. Make it more of a hobby. hobby. Stop, yeah. you know, like, it's not making me any money. I don't need to treat it like it's making me money. Right. I have a grand total of eight listens a week. So, like, it's... No pressure, it, you know? No pressure, yeah. right. And, like, you know what? I can say whatever I want, and yep. it'll never come back to me in a <laughs> negative way. Ever. Never, ever, because people can't listen to things that have already been posted before. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I get it, though. I mean, and that's the irony in that, too, is that, like, from what I've learned about um, people, and just from people that have done various projects and gotten some success out of it, is that it's usually when the pressure is off is when you actually do your best work and oftentimes find success. Like, right. I know that's one of the things that I kind of sort of learned when I was acting. Um, you know, kind of a big fish in a small pond. I mean, like, I wasn't... I was by no means a local celebrity, but a lot of people in the acting world around here knew around who I was. Augusta? Yeah. Okay. I feel that way about yoga. Yeah. 
I got yoga famous, like, mm-hmm. when I first got into yoga, and, like, everyone in Augusta was like, oh, yeah, you do that, you teach the power board, oh, you do that, what, right. oh, yeah, you, and then all <laughs> of a sudden, like, once you taper off, oh, my God, the climb back is fucking impossible. True, very true. And so like you said, big fish, tiny fucking pond yeah. in Augusta. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, if you go to a bigger city, and that's kind of where I... So so what happened with me was that, um, like I said, I was kind of a big fish in a small pond. It was not hard for me to get um, acting roles. That being said, I wasn't getting paid for them. So they were all like small projects and things like that, right. which was fun. I mean, that I was doing it because I loved doing it. But right. it got to a point where I was like, well, if I'm going to make this a career, then I've got to make it a career. Um but the irony was when I was here in town and I wasn't really stressed about it, I was I could book, uh, quote unquote, book a gig. I could get a job or a, uh, yeah. a project like nobody's business. I was getting referred left and right. I rarely even had to audition. The only time I ever auditioned was when I was doing like bigger projects like for, I did something for the, um, not the Augusta Players, I never did that. I did uh, something for Storyland Theater. Yeah. Um, and I had to audition for that, but that was almost a cursory thing because I was, I believe it was, it was for the Frog Prince. And at the time I was doing a, a puppeteering thing with, uh, Le Chat Noir mm. and they, so I was kind of recommended because they needed somebody that could do the puppetry for the frog. And so I just got it. Um, yeah, that's cool. So yeah, I mean, I went in and showed that I could do the thing, but that was it. Um, and then I, I was doing, I, I auditioned for a couple of college things that I was doing, but even with those, a lot of times I went in like fucking cock of the walk. I didn't care. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. And I w- and it gave you the freedom to just do it, to just go out there. Like, like, uh, great story that I heard was Jason Momoa when he got the part for, um, for was it Drago or the the Dothraki mm, yeah. king? Yeah. But apparently, what he did was he just walked in and he did a haka, and that was like the ooh ah got you know like did yeah. that thing, and they were just like, what is this you know? But it was yeah. so like so primal and so like raw, so raw that they were like that's perfect that fits with this kind of character. He's right. perfect for the role. Yeah. And I mean, I don't feel like you can go in there and do something that ballsy without just being like, you know what, fuck it, I don't care. Yeah. You know. So that that lack of concern gives you a sense of like just freedom but also like the bde on that guy like well sure i mean he, he had to also fit the part if i had gone in and done a hawk of it would be like what are you what are you doing there buddy so, like there i was and this is gonna sound stupid but i was thinking the other day about like how many decisions have i made in my life where i was just like fuck it I don't care, mm. and how much of that is because of my penis? <laughs> Fair. Okay. How much of okay. that is directly related to the size? Of, if I had a tiny penis and I was like, "Oh God, I can't. I'm not confident enough mm-hmm. to do that." Sure, like, sure, sure. Does does that actually give you more confidence? Like, does the well, I mean, they say big dick energy, right? That's a right. thing for a reason, it's I a think. Thing. You know? And it's not what people with small penises think it is. No, it's not. It's, all, it's small, all an attitude. Yeah. People with small... People with... SB? <laughs> yeah, SBD? SPD? SBD? Wait. SDE. Yes, SDE. That's it. Sorry. Wow, we can't even English. I'm great at acronyms. People with SDE, they think it's like... Being macho and da 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 da, right, da, da, right, da, da, right. big tough. You're man a Chad. And, <laughs> yeah, right. 
No, but big dick energy is just I don't give it's, a fuck. Exactly, it's lack of concern. It's, it's like hey, yeah. I, I I don't worry about it. No, that's true. Um, that explains a lot too. That explains a lot for me in my personal life. Uh, why things don't go well. <laughs> no, um, no, it's uh, yeah. I, you're right though. I think I think, and it's all situational. It depends on like you know, like you could be completely out of your element in one situation, and then the very next out, you know, you're like, oh man, this is you're in your element. You're this this guy knows right. exactly what he's doing. So uh, you know, yeah. uh, nobody, well. I'm not gonna say nobody, but most people are not like, I got this in every situation. You know, like everybody's yeah. got something that just throws them through a loop and oh, they don't yeah. know what to do about it. So, but yeah, no, for me it was funny too because like I the I know the exact moment that I realized that I was not gonna be able to do acting as a career because I. Uh, a buddy of mine had moved out to Atlanta, and I was like, cool, if I'm going to make this a thing, i got to go out to Atlanta, too. Like, that's where all the work is. Yeah. I went out to Atlanta. Now. Yeah. I went out to Atlanta. Didn't... I didn't... Not only did I not get a single audition, I didn't go to a single audition. I just felt so, like, overwhelmed with, like... I just trying to, to get by and finding work that was going to pay enough. Like, my, my life was sort of flip between okay do i do i get a job that matters enough that i like work for that pays well so i'm not starving or do i get the job that's shit that i could just throw down the drain for an audition yeah and i didn't know what to do and and it was this constant back and forth and so i was just severely depressed and completely unhappy and I, my buddy of mine uh, that was living out there at the time i was like okay do like we had a conversation and he goes well and I, was, I told him that I was like I don't think I want to act anymore he goes well what do you want and I, and I thought about it and I was like you know I think what I really really want and probably what at least at the time what acting was becoming a means to an end to was to be able to make decent make a decent living yeah travel and have like new experiences that was that was a whole thing for me was like as an yeah. actor i could never i could never decide what i wanted to do or be when i grew up and i figured as an actor i could do everything yeah i can be anything that makes sense so i just sort of like reverse engineered that into realizing that what it was for me was i just wanted to have experiences my yeah. life was all about wanting to have new experiences so that i was like that's that's i want to be able to travel meet new people do new things and I want to make decent money doing it. And then I want, and, and I also realized that a creative, like one of my earlier creative outlets had been writing. So mm. I wanted to be a writer. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, writing is something I can do on my own time. I can figure that out. I'm, it's not dependent on anybody else's schedule. Yeah. I don't have to go to an audition or anything like that. Right. Um, and then the other two things I didn't know what to do. But he hooked me up with a friend of his that, had, that was doing traveling, touring with a show that she traveled all over the world, she made good money doing it, she had a blast. And I was like, great, that's that's what I need. So they, they hooked me up and that's how I wound up into the job that I'm about to go back to. Um, but yeah, that it was it was such a weight lifted on my shoulders too, because I was like, oh I don't have to I don't have to I don't have to make it. Yeah. That <laughs> like that line of what was successful and wasn't successful was very clearly defined as an actor mm, and yeah. it was so far away and so unattainable in my mind. Yeah. So that just freed me up, and I was like, "Oh God, okay, cool. I can breathe now. I, don't, I can I can take a normal job and not hate myself for it." Yeah. I feel like the line is a lot more concrete when it comes to acting versus like something like stand up comedy, where like when you've like made it in stand up comedy, I don't I don't know if anybody like ever knows when they made it until you're like fucking you know. Dave Chappelle or Joe Rogan, you're like, oh, I guess I made it. Like, I'm a billionaire now. Like, well, see, and so I think I think it's actually the same between acting and comedy in that it's subjective. So right. some people's line might be Dave Chappelle. Yeah. 
Almost Some, everybody, almost every comedian I've ever asked about this yeah. is like just making a living. Yep, that's like usually paying the bills with my craft. Exactly, that's usually where I hear the line is is like six. Now you can go above and beyond that, obviously. Like mm-hmm. if you can become super hyper rich, then great. Right. But for most people that I've talked to in the creative industry, if I can make a living and not want to like drown my head, you know, in alcohol yep. and or water, you know, right. then then that's success. Then I've made it. And right. anything above me on that is just a cherry on top. Yeah. Um, which is great. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, now that I'm older and a little bit smarter about things, I see there's many ways to, <coughs> bless you, to, uh, <laughs> to get to that point. Like, there are several, several actors that you never even meet in your life that are, um, <laughs> that are, Sorry. that, no, you're good, that, that they make a living as, like, uh, commercial actors and stuff. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, you, right. you just never would know it, but they're paying yeah. their bills, they're doing really well for themselves, they just book commercials left and right. Right. And, I mean, uh, that was one thing I was about to get to, was, like, at some point, it is about, like, the art that you're trying to create. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine, you know, doing commercials at everybody, you know, at Kellogg's behest every <laughs> fucking day is the most, like, artistically expressive... No, I that, I'm sure. Yeah, that's the one thing that... And, and I don't know, maybe it's a balance. Maybe it's like, okay, cool, so I do commercial work to pay my bills but then I do like indie movies indie movies or side projects or whatever somebody has for me that I just feel attached to and that's where I actually get my creativity out which is kind of what I was doing like I just wasn't I didn't I didn't hit the I wasn't able to satiate the payment side of things, yeah. but I was totally filling the the creative void. Like, because yeah. everything I did, I was like, I believe, I love this. I did a, sh- a short film with a friend of mine that was completely absurd, and I had the most fun doing it. Hell yeah! Um, and that was like, I, I was in my element there. I was, I felt great. I felt super confident in everything I did, and and that worked out real well. Um, I got one acting opportunity mm-hmm. recently. Well, so. When I was in high school, I was homeschooled, right? Okay. So <clears throat> there was this homeschool group that would get together, and they wanted to do a movie or whatever. Mm. Then, well, it was originally going to be a play. Gotcha. And then it was like, okay, well, these homeschool kids can't learn their fucking lines, <laughs> so we're going to make it a movie so we can have multiple takes. Sure. And yeah. um, <clears throat> it ended up being a, uh, I mean, I don't know. As far as I can remember, it was a huge embarrassing mess. But <laughs> they often are. They right. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. As I know. assume. But uh, the only opportunity I've gotten since then was there is a uh, some church group that was going to be filming a movie, mm-hmm. a short movie here. And like I had initially agreed to do it, and then I looked into what the group was and what movie they were doing. I was like, I have you ever listened to one of my sets? I. <laughs> Literally don't think you want me yeah. associated with you. I don't really <laughs> want to be associated with y'all either. Like, Well, you know what's funny about that, actually? And if it's not too late, maybe consider this because... Um, oh, it's definitely too late. That oh, was okay. like two years ago. Oh, fair enough. That was pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so what's funny about that is, so I actually got... I did... I booked one... I was a featured extra in a very small, like, almost like a Hallmark film. Yeah. And it was... Uh, uh, very, it was religious based and it was based on a book that this guy had written and I actually got to meet the author but what's funny about that is that um, people that I would not have expected to and maybe they are, maybe they are, I don't know but people I would not have considered to be or thought to be spiritual or religious at all yeah. were in this movie um, there was uh, 
Well, actually, so I guess there's only one person that pops out in my mind. Uh, did you ever see that show Nip Tuck? I have heard of it. I never so there's a, watched it. There's a main character in it um, played by this girl named, uh, this woman named, uh, I think it was Kelly Carlson. Okay. And she was like a, one of the main love interests. And I guess, I, you know, no, obviously I don't know that woman at all. But in my mind, I think of a show like Nip Tuck, which is pretty raunchy. And I'm like, right. oh, I don't really think of people being in that show as being very, like, religious or anything like that. Right. Um, and in retrospect, I know better. I mean, people, you get people of all walks of life and all, of, you know, venues of life. But she happened to be in that movie, um, in the in the little Hallmark movie that I was in. And I was like, I didn't expect you to be here. You yeah. know, so, and so it was just kind of like... I guess I, I just got to thinking about it, and I was like, you know, at the end of the day, it's a job. So regardless of whether what your personal beliefs are, you know, you take the job wherever you can, and if it yeah. fits and it does, and if it doesn't, then it doesn't, and that's fine. So I, I just stopped thinking too much about that. Like, honestly, there was a point where I was like, oh, there's probably Christian roles I could get. Would I take it? And, uh, I mean, now I wouldn't in a heartbeat because... I'm, I'm more religious than I was, but at the time I was like, nah, I don't know about that. And and even just thinking back on it now, I'm like, yeah, I would take it if it paid bills. I don't care. Like, what, what does <laughs> yeah, it matter? Right. So what? I don't have to believe what you believe to do what to portray what you. In fact, if I don't believe that, makes me an even better actor. No so, shit, right? <laughs> if I can pull that off, then woo. Yeah, I was just about to say. So like, I guess you're obviously your relationship with Christianity and religion is. Like at least at the very least complicated, like most people. But um, sure. Like I don't know. For me, being the son of a pastor, mm. like it's just such a trigger for me. Like seeing that's fair. and like I don't know. I feel like it's already brainwashy enough. It doesn't need propaganda films. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. You know. So ironically. Um, I've only recently, and I don't talk about this often for that exact reason, because I most of my friends and a lot of people that I know are very like they're, and I, I for sure was um, like growing up in the South, especially my worst nightmare as a Southern Baptist. I'm like, and to this day, yeah. I'm like, dude, I I spent so much time in in churches that were Southern Baptist that like I was like, first of all, as an individual, I don't know, but as a group, they're the most hypocritical, judgy people I've ever met in my life, and I'm like, you're the yeah. epitome of what I think Christianity is kind of against, but... Southern Baptist? You mean holy dunkaroo? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. And then I went down to Florida, and, and I, I, I actually began to wrestle with that sort of concept. And I guess what I came to the realization for myself was that, like, living life without... I, so I never... I was never, like, an, an atheist. I, yeah. I At best, I, would, I guess I was an agnostic. I yeah. just didn't know. I honestly genuinely didn't know, and I wasn't sure where to put any faith in, you know. But I knew that I was kind of a spiritual person. Like, I, I grew up Christian and then had a lot of bad experiences and was like, you know, I think I need to remove myself from this because I don't believe what you guys believe. And I didn't yeah. know any other way to believe. Yeah. So, For me, it was the constant... The first time I realized it was when I realized that there were so many different churches that mm -hmm. all believed different things. And yeah. I was like, okay, we well, how do, all we, be right. how do we know we're right? <laughs> right. And my dad was like, because we're right. And I'm like, okay, but <laughs> right, how do you cool, know we're talk, right? Pops. Yeah. And um, it just got to me that yeah. like, okay, so there's no way this literally says in the Bible that you're not allowed to know everything. Mm -hmm. So why are you telling everybody that you know everything? And at that point, I decided anybody that says that they know the truth mm -hmm. or everything or whatever you want to call it, like... <laughs> 
that they're just wrong. They're wrong. Yeah. They're just played out wrong, and I don't know what it is. No. But neither sure. do you. Yeah. So. Well, and so that's kind of that's kind of where I was at. So what actually flipped the switch for me? No, I'm good. I can't anymore. I got my job. Oh yeah. But um, what flipped the switch for me was that uh, so my now ex girlfriend at the time I met her and she was very religious and I was at this point in my life where I was like, I don't know, man. Like I I guess I I realized that living life without any kind of faith makes it a little bit lonely mm-hmm. and very hard to bear because like at the end of the day, if there's no God, yeah. then every decision that I make is my own. Every consequence of that decision is, is all me. Like all the weight, all the pressure of my entire life rests on my shoulders. And that was too damn much. I was like, dude, that's just too, I, I felt like, especially for somebody who like, I tend to have a bit of a, like a control issue. Yeah. And I felt like I had no control. Yeah. So I was like, so what am I, how do I, what do I do here, you know? So you felt like you had no control, even though at that point you were the only one in control of your life. I was the only one in control, but <laughs> I fell completely out of it. Yeah. Which every, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because every, every decision that I made felt like, felt like it went horribly awry. So I was like, great. So I'm in control of this, but I just consistently make the wrong choices. Well, so, and there's the other part to it too of like, and I talk about this with Frank a mm-hmm. lot of like determinism versus free will right of like whether or not there is a god or somebody controlling everything that's going on or anybody in control of larger choices or whatever there's still a shit ton of factors that go into everything that not only you decide but Mm -hmm. things that happen to you things Mm -hmm. genetic factors that decided the way you are yeah there's so much other shit going on in the universe besides you that's sure. deciding what's going to happen yeah. that your own free will as it were is super minuscule. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean even yeah, for sure. Um even even if even if every decision you get to make is is your own decision that you that you get to make, the factors that influence how you choose and things like that are out of your control. So yeah. So ultimately even if you have free will, it's like you said it's very minuscule. And, and I've had a lot of theories on, on how that goes, like on, you know, do, is there fate? Is there not? Is it, you know, do you have free will? Do you not? Is there like a combination of the two? And I mean, it's, I'm just such an analytical person that's come, I've had a billion different theories throughout my entire life and I am no closer to the truth. I have no idea. (laughs) But what I guess I realized was that I realized I was beginning, I was beginning to become jealous of people that had uh, a relationship with God because I was like. You guys have the freedom to make decisions yeah. and know that no matter what, it's all part of God's plan. It's okay. Yeah. Someone's there to, to walk. You don't have to worry about shit. You don't have to worry about anything. And I was so jealous. I was like, dude, this sucks. I don't, I want to not care. I want to not, I want to like just be able yeah. to let go and let God, right? Yeah. And that's when I, you know, I met my, uh, my girlfriend and she, uh, she, the first thing before we ever went out, she was like, I, you need to know that I have a, a relationship with Christ that matters a lot to me. It means a lot to me. Yeah. And I need to be with somebody who understands that and I prefer to be with somebody who also shares in that. Yeah. And so I was like, cool. Well, I I don't, but I don't have a problem with that. Okay. I was like, I get it. I understand it. And I wouldn't mind exploring that in myself. Right. So we started, she was like, I guess it was a good enough answer. Because right. she was like, great, let's go out. <laughs> so <laughs> we did. And I started to do Crazy exactly that. that, that I know, <laughs> right? Uh, openness works. Um, okay. Yeah. So that I just sort of started to explore that and as I got to know her I realized that like I think the biggest hold up with me was the idea that I couldn't have a lot of the 
the moral standings that I have. I couldn't have a lot of the opinions and beliefs that I had and be a Christian. Um, Such as? Like, like I'm pro-choice. Yeah, I'm, okay. Right. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm pro-choice. Yeah, yeah. I'm I I I'm, I'm such a huge supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. I'm like that, and those two things conflict. Yeah. But plus F, plus F. Okay, I'm learning for, every day, man. I like it's for the foot guys. Oh, okay. Foot, okay, I got foot. foot yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm with it. Yeah. Um, it's it'll catch on. <laughs> it'll catch on eventually. So that was my that was my thing. I was like, that's that's a big holdup. But then I started talking to her, and I wouldn't say any of these opinions. I would just ask her, like, hey, how do you feel about this? And she would say almost verbatim how I felt. And I was like, how does that how does, how does that, that work with the Bible? Yeah, I was like, I don't get it. And honestly, I still don't know. But I knew that she. <laughs> I really don't. I, there's only one thing that I've got as far as like the uh, the the like being gay and not being able to be gay within the Bible. I've heard somewhere oh, yeah, that there's like you a... you just can't act on it. Right. Well, no, so my thing, what I heard was that the translation of, you know, man ought not lay with man was basically that in, in a Hebrew translation, it was actually originally... You, you can soak. <laughs> <laughs> Soaking's totally allowed. Except, You're allowed to do except that. Except when it's in the butt, it's called stewing. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> No, no, I don't even want to think about it. Um, That's graphic, man. (laughs) No, um, supposedly the original translation was man ought not lay with boy. So it was more a Mm. a condemnation of pedophilia. And I was like, I can can get down with that. I'm totally against pedophilia. That's great. So now that's kind of where I look at it. It's like, you know what? We probably did some weird translating. And really it still lets that happen. Yeah. And plus, actually, I remember I went to Pride one year and I met, there was a a friar, straight up friar, had the robes and everything. And he was like, oh, we're a part of a church that was very gay accepting. And I was like, ha, what? And I I wish I would have sat and had a conversation with them because they probably could have explained it better than I can understand. Well, see, and this is where we get into like, how was the Bible translated? Yep, exactly. And like... The thing also, is, also every version has uh, been translated exactly. Yeah, right. So it's like historically, but, we've seen it's been almost but, proven that people have picked and chosen things from it. But God said that He wasn't gonna let anybody fuck with His word. He says that in true, the Bible. True. You know the thing that proves everything in the right. Bible. Right. And so, <laughs> so this is where this is where, and you'll like this. This is where I come to the conclusion that I don't know. I have no answers. I have no answers. No, none whatsoever. And so I guess what happened was I realized that I wanted to have the the freedom to just say, you know what, I get to make my choices and whatever, whether it's free will or not, I don't know. I'm just know that I'm, I'm, I'm making my choices, but ultimately whatever I choose, it's out of my hands and it's okay. Someone's got a plan for me and that's great. And I love that concept. So I was like, great, I'm going to go, I'm going to start going to church and I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to start just believing again. I mean, I guess, like I said, it's not that, it's never that I didn't believe but yeah. I would be a little more open about that. And even now, I don't. I really actually, the fact that I'm talking about it now is kind of weird because I don't normally talk about it. Yeah. Mostly because it does set a lot of people on edge. My whole point. approach is like, <laughs> if you want to talk it, we can get into it. But if why, you're... My question to everyone that doesn't want to talk about it is mm-hmm. like, why wouldn't you want to talk about it? It is a very important thing ingrained yeah. in just the human experience. Oh, yeah. Well, it can get like, very hostile. It can get hostile. Get hostile, but that's not talking. No, it's you're not right. Talking that's talking about arguing. something. That's, that's debating just and arguing yeah. about yeah. something, and that's trying to say, "Oh, I'm right." No. Right. 
no, no, no. There's too many people that aren't willing to accept that they don't have all the answers, which is actually like nobody, nobody who's Christian or otherwise has the answers. Right. There's nowhere in the Bible that says, you know everything. In fact, it explicitly says, explicitly you know says nothing. You, know <laughs> you don't know anything. That's, so don't pretend like you do. It's okay. This is why I really like philosophy. Yes. And I, I and still, I am such a, I actually, I didn't minor in it, but I took it in college and I was fascinated by it. I still, yeah. I'm reading through uh, Marcus Aurelius' Meditation. Hey, fuck yeah. It's a great Have book. you ever, okay, so two podcasts, and I'm going to text these to you. Yeah, please do. Um, but it's Philosophize This. I, I feel like I've heard it's, of that. It, you probably have. It's one of the, probably the most, um, no, I don't uh, his, his left leg, oh, his, his left sword, leg just got shot. Got shot. But oh, other than that, he does want to be in your lap okay. and be touched. Well, I'm That's sorry exactly I hurt you to get here. I'm so sorry. Give it him what he here. wants, anyway. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but I'm gonna sit now. All right. Okay. So, uh, philosophize this. Mm -hmm. The guy just goes through chronologically at first, just philosopher after philosopher. Oh, that's nice. Through all of time in like. 40 minute long episodes mm -hmm. that are oh, concise and really <laughs> well spoken yeah. and he's just he's phenomenal <laughs> at it. That's um, perfect. And then sure. there's this other this guy that does a podcast called The Stoic Coffee Break. Nice. Okay. 7 minute episodes. Ooh. Each one is different uh principles in stoicism and nice. how you can apply it to your life. See, so, so st I think I identify with stoicism because I'm the least stoic person I know. I know, yeah, right? Dude. It's like I need every to be time I listen to one. I'm like, damn, I wish I could be like yeah, that. I'm so like over. So I actually, I've just been getting into um, Enneagrams. Like, don't worry about what other people think. I need like, to get into this. I figured you'd be into that. I no, no. I need to get you into this. this. Oh, I you am do. not into it yet. Okay. But I know it taps into a lot of like Buddhist principles. So I mean, of well, the physiological self. There. So it so does I'm tie like, to a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, you're, You'll hear a lot of people talk about how it relates to either your uh, astrological sign or your chakras or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that will look. I have a book that, that approaches it. I actually just bought two books today. One that approaches it from a Christian perspective and one that approaches it approaches it from a, uh, a non, from like a, an objective perspective. Yeah. Uh, which is, to me, is very important. Is like, even though I am religious, I like to be... I come from both backgrounds at this yeah. point, right? So I like to see like, okay... Those are the two perspectives. Yeah. Christian, objective. Yeah, yes. I mean, for me, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's like, let's look at it, let's see from a religious side, let's look at it from a non-religious side, right. and then sort of find a way that meets in the middle. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, I've noticed that, like, I haven't, I've barely touched the religious one at this point, um, but I've noticed that the one that, the one that I have now actually really tries to break it down, and it goes beyond just a personality trait. It's supposedly uh, an approach to just the cosmos at large, which I is... Yeah, confused. Your little slice. I read like the first chapter, and I think my brain melted a little bit. Yeah, like I'm, I'm so confused. <clears throat> yeah, but ultimately, what I'm trying to get out of it is a personality sort of like what kind of personality are you? And it's really cool because it's got like nine different points, but each point relates to other points. Whether you're doing well in life or doing poorly in life, whether you're stressed out or or relieved, or it's so there's like I think there's some like 33 different types of personalities. Okay. You've got subtypes, and so it's one of the most like um, uh, uh, you know, as opposed to like uh, the Myers Briggs test, which is like oh you're ENFP or ENTP or whatever. Right. There's like eight different types. Yeah, exactly. It's very. <laughs> this is a very like loose and ever evolving sort of uh, personality. Um, 
So, like, for instance, I'm an E... I'm, like, 50-50 ENFP, ENTP. But also, the Myers-Briggs has been debunked for a long time. Has it? A lot of people I don't know surprised. that, but yeah. they have done, like, scientific studies that have completely... It was literally invented by a housewife who was <laughs> reading a magazine. Yeah. Well, of course. And she came up with a test for the magazine. Her last name was Myers slash Briggs. She was married yeah, to Briggs. Was, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, it may, I get it. I, it doesn't surprise me. I just know that, like, whenever I took those tests, I became out. I was literally 50-50 ENFP, ENTP, which is like, like I'm a hat stall between Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, basically. Like, yeah. I flip between really analytical and really... I always uh, got ENFP going by my feelings. as well. So. Okay, yeah. yeah. So... So, like, that was just never good enough. I'm like, how do, how do I reconcile those two? I feel like me, you, and Frank are on that same way. I would say so, yeah. We're very <laughs> extroverted, we're, but we do flip between those two where it's like, okay, are, am I going to be analytical today or in this situation or am I going to be feeling... Like, today yeah. today was a very, very, like, feelings kind of day. I tried to be analytical and I just couldn't be. Yeah. Even though the past, like, week I've been very analytical, very like, okay, let's look at it from a very smart, intelligent perspective. Let's analyze how you're feeling. Let's readjust that. Let's do some... Yeah. yeah, and and yeah, I mean, it just depends, and it's completely out of my control. But with the Enneagram, first of all, I I took one of those quick tests thing. I, it's not quick at all. It was like eighty questions. I took one of those tests that tells you what your your main type is. Um, oh yeah, it, there's like nine of them, right? There's nine. Yeah, and apparently those tests can be wildly inaccurate. And I was always I, yeah, who from knows? What I, yeah, who, from what I've read, the best thing you can do. Sources. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> the best thing that you can do, apparently, is get a couple books, read up on all of them, and then just see what you identify with. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. But the quick you know, version of it was like, oh, you're a, you're a four, which I think is like the um, the individualist. Oh, okay. And which, honestly, just by that term alone, I'm like, nah, that's nah. not me. Yeah. That's not me. But then I started watching, there's this guy on YouTube, and I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he does like a comprehensive breakdown of every individual type, their subtypes, there's what you call wings, which are like, oh, so if I'm a four, then your wings are five and three, it's whichever right. I'm Yeah, I'm I actually, I took it. So oh, did you? Okay. <sighs> Funny story. <laughs> I, uh, well, Sorry, I the church that I got married in required mm -hmm. me and my ex-wife Spoiler oh, alert, <laughs> me and my ex-wife to do a marital counseling before okay. getting married there, even though it was like the only church we could get married in that we didn't have to be members of first. Right, okay. Um, and, but they did require the pastor to give us marital counseling. Sure. So one of the first things that he did was an Enneagram test. Nice. So we both took that test. I got, I think it's number two, which is helper. Yep. And she got like whatever like leader like it's like i think there's peacemaker you've got um uh enthusiast you have uh shoot i don't i, I don't know it I was always that. whatever personality test we ever took it was always like oh yeah she's gonna do shit with her life and you're gonna be there to cheer her on like that was basically <laughs> yeah fair 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 um, okay i get it which, like, I've always been, you know, a healer, a sub, right. a fucking, like... Fair. Whatever. Very adaptable to other people's Adaptable needs. to other... Yes, yeah. I like, you know, making other people happy, which is sure. comedy. Yeah. Um, so... People yeah, people pleaser. <laughs> That's yeah, literally that. my yeah. job now. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, job, I make money at it, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's there not my go. life... What? Uh, Career? 
Yeah, well, no, the money-making thing. It's not my financial breadwinner. I don't know. Anyway, Fair. there's probably a word in there that I'm not thinking there's, of. There's a word for it. <laughs> Somebody's shouting it at their old tiny radio <laughs> it's right this! now. Um, but like, I just you know, I like making people happy. Yeah. But anyway, the pastor and the Enneagram tests said that we were supposed to be like soulmates forever. Mmm, fun. That went well. Yeah. So. Well, and that's the funny thing, right? Is so, I think with any personality, first of all, to say that you are this personality is this is why I like the enneagram because the point of the enneagram is like it doesn't just say you're this type of person. It's like, yeah. hey, you're this type of person. Mostly, like maybe at your yeah. base, but also you fluctuate between these different types of personalities. Well, because you it'd be lean this way and that way. To narrow yeah, because down. everybody is constantly changing, and you have yeah. different experiences in different situations. You might be a different personality type. That's the whole fucking birth chart versus sun sign. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so that's one of the things that I really appreciate about the Enneagram. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, you guys are soulmates. It's like, well, yeah, sure. But also, if I'm like not healthy, or if she's not healthy, or if we're just not happy, or whatever, right. then we become completely different than what the baseline is, and those two are not compatible. Right. You know, and so yeah, just to say like you're compatible based on your personality type is really Which, odd. Funny enough. The if I had gone by astrological signs, mm-hmm. the basic advice for a Pisces dating a Gemini is turn and run. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> she will suck you dry. Sure. <laughs> well, so the worst relationship I ever had was with a Gemini, but they're po- apparently my freaking soulmate. And I'm like, no, 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 dude, that went so bad, so fast. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. I, I tend to try to lean towards... Um, it's the person. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, like, I like the Enneagram, Enneagram in that it is fluid. Um, and it's ever-changing, just like people are. So, yeah, that's where I was like, okay, I started looking into it. What was funny, though, is that I was watching that YouTube channel, and the guy was breaking oh, it down. <laughs> the guy was breaking it down, and he was talking about... Um, it's a great picture. That is a damn good picture. Sorry to do it without warning, nice. but I didn't no, want the cat to I like it. Um, I just wanted to zoom in. I'm sorry. I am that um, cat mom. Because I'm like, oh, I just want to do it. Okay, way better. No, but he, um, yeah, ultimately this guy was getting down to, um, to fours, and he was breaking them down. He's oh my goodness. He heavy. I'm sorry, I'll keep petting you. Oh, you're about to go to oh, sleep. Jake, Look at you. So you're about to go to sleep. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm picking up cat water on the way. Yes. I always notice I'm out of cat litter when it's too late. But, yeah. And every single like version of the brand of cat litter that you used sold out. Really? I would put it in my fucking Off cart and go to order it, and ah, it'd be okay. like, nope, can't do that. Cat litter's oh. out. I'm like, I just. I just bought Make you. sure this one was in stock. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, that sucks. No, I, uh, I haven't had to do that, that in a while. Thank you, buddy. Uh, I appreciate oh, the lips. Oh, thank you for the kisses. He's oh, sweet. he will kiss your face, too. Yeah, he's he's like, sweetie. He's he likes so to lick, like, right here, the bridge, <laughs> in the third eye. I'm like, oh, oh you're fucking with my psyche, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You're so cute. He's so sweet. Yeah, he's such yes. a little purr machine too. Mm-hmm. Cutie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad he started like 
hardcore purring. Yeah. He, he didn't start doing that until like two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's just so nice. And it's definitely because his little personality is yeah. popping out. Yeah. Our uh, one friend was like, he's a smug bastard. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you got that right. <laughs> yeah. That's like my cat. He's, um, same deal. Super smart. Super smart. Sweet as, sweet as can be. Cuddles up like crazy. Such an asshole. Such a little <laughs> dick. He's too smart for his own good, and he'll just, he'll, he knows that you're into him, so he's like, hey, I'm just gonna, like, he'll come up, he's an indoor-outdoor cat, so he'll go out, and we'll let him all the way outside, and he'll just roam around all day, and then he'll come back inside, and then once he, once it gets late, and we only let him out on the, on the porch, it becomes this dance of like, hey, you wanna go out? Okay, great, you're out, and then he goes out for like five minutes, and he's at the door like, yeah. pawing, and like, hey, yes. let me back in, and you're like, okay, and as soon as he comes in, he's like, where's my treats? I'm supposed to get treats when I come inside. That's what happens, right? <laughs> so you get him some treats, and he's like, great, and I'm going back out. And you're like, you little bastard. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's too smart. Yeah, he, the, we had already had trouble with Jake, mm-hmm. um, who always wants to leave his food bowl and go to the other cat's food bowl. Right. Same food, mind you. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. wants the other person's thing. Yeah. Oh, that's yours? Not anymore. Yeah, it's right. Now. Yeah. So now we have Finn, and he likes to do the same shit. <laughs> of course. So oh, a lot he of times, learning. they will end up at each you. other's bowls. <laughs> and I'm like, just... I won't care, you know, yeah. we're on the actual same food, like him and Jake. Yeah. But... They're not right now. They're yeah. not He's right too, now, yeah. too little for all that. He's going to be on kin. Oh, I'm going to get your year. ear. I'm going to get inside your ear. Look at that. <laughs> oh, I was queen and dad. Thanks. Oh, so cute. You're welcome. You're so welcome. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. You're there so he goes. Sweet. He's like, oh, my friend, no. queen. Oh, yeah. Cute. So cute. <sighs> yeah. No, I'm just, uh, I'm, I've been, I've been trying to learn a lot about myself, especially given, like, uh, recent events yeah i oh, know you did it to yourself i, I saw know. you get up <laughs> so um oh my goodness so you're going back like to florida what are you planet. doing now so i'll be working with um it's a, f- a company called Feld entertainment but they they have a contract with disney they do all the disney on ice shows okay so except for like the ones on the cruise but basically any like if you go to a disney on ice show anywhere in the world that's not a cruise liner it's Gonna be filled entertainment. Okay. So you're ice skating too. God no, no. Okay. I was I like gonna say what? <laughs> no, I installed the uh, the ice floors. Um, gotcha. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah so oh, like yeah. all that. Like there are some places like we hardly as uh, I'm ice department. Ice department hardly ever goes to Canada because every city in Canada has an ice rink or a place that you can perform it. Oh But yeah. then you've got like other places like Augusta that don't. I mean, well, they used to have the Link Stadium, um, but for whatever reason, now it's still, a trampoline park. Yeah. Is it really? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. Wouldn't, oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. old, the old ice cream. Yep. Yeah. So now, yeah, now you've got, um, like, and I think uh, James Brown Arena used to be, but now it's not. I don't no, I think they got rid of that. Not, they got but it's got ones. room for it, for sure. Sure, and so that's where we would perform, actually, is there. Um, so yeah. we, whenever there's a place that doesn't have an ice rink, my department brings all the equipment to build the ice floor that they skate yeah. on. Um, and so, so that's what, yeah, that's what I was doing for a it's while. It's insane that that's even a thing. I know. Like, when, so that was the job that I was Broadway telling you. Broadway on ice. Right. Disney well, that ice. was the job that I was telling you. My friend, um, my friend, when I decided I didn't want to be an actor anymore, he was, he uh, referred to me to, uh, referred me to a friend that I had actually met once before, but like reacquainted with that used to do that job. And when she explained to me what it was, I was like, that's, how is that a thing? Like, it's it's one of those jobs that you never think about that 
Yeah, that I, it exists. It has to exist. I mean, it's yeah. a thing, so it has to. Like like the guy that refills the, the fire hydrants. You know, like the, the fire extinguishers. You're like, nobody ever thinks about it, but that's obviously a job. Someone yeah, has right. to do that. So it's just, it's the same deal where you're like, yeah, yeah, no, of course, not a labor. Somebody has to put those floors in. Somebody has to maintain those floors. Yeah, I've just never is. thought that that was a viable career. And it's actually a really easy one to get if you are even halfway competent with, like, tools. Um, <laughs> which is literally when you get the job or when they, they do the interview, they go, great. And they give you a couple tests. They make sure that you know how to wire something up, and they make sure that you know how to like use, pick out and use basic tools. Um, and that's kind of it. As long as you can do that in a timely manner and it doesn't take you all day to do it. It's like one of them, I think, is like take apart a wheelbarrow and put it back together. Yeah. They, they're like, yeah, as long as you know what tools to like, and grab. And you get to and, travel to yeah, set I up travel. ice I literally, so before COVID, I did, um, I did a five and a half month tour in Europe. Damn. I, yeah, I mean, I went to I went to Scotland, England. I went to France, Belgium, See, this is Spain. What I'm to do is Cirque stuff. I just want to get with the truth it's, and be. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's great. Now the one thing I will say, my department has a bit of a trade off. We're really well taken care of because we're separate from like show and performers. Um, like show side is like all the the lights and, and audio people and all Stage, that stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then you've got like the performers, they would fit in that too. And then you've got the ice department, which is its own deal. And the ice department is kinda like a before you go any further, you yes. didn't like sign an NDA with Disney or anything <laughs> to not I tell anybody. I don't about. think I'm saying <laughs> anything that would get me in trouble. Like I'm not giving specific. Like I know we're not allowed to take. You're not giving spoilers for Moana yeah. too, or right? Anything. No, no, no. I, we're not allowed to. We're not allowed to like talk about how we put together stages, and we're not allowed to like yeah. take pictures or, or like post pictures of like yeah. back behind this like costumes and things like that. I don't know what shows I got going on. I don't know any of that. Yeah. This is all kind of basic stuff that like. Aside from maybe what you have to do to get the job, which even that, I don't know if that matters that much. Yeah. Maybe, maybe cut that out. <laughs> 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 cut that. Look, we just cut the company <laughs> and then we're Gucci. Right. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. No, I mean, like like I said, as far as like, um, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I'm divulging any like experts' yeah. uh, secrets. Uh, the, the basically though, like I used to call us the Marines of the whole show because we were always the first ones in and the last ones out. Uh, because in yeah. order to set up the stage, you got to have an ice floor to set it on first. Mm -hmm. Right. So we we go properly. there beforehand. Right. <laughs> we go there beforehand and then we leave later. And so, um, but but the way that they set it up is basically our department gets one day on, one day off. Whereas the show department, obviously, everybody's needed for the show. So every day there's a show, they're working. Yeah. So it's it, it's sort of a trade-off. In my department, I get more time off to explore the, whatever city I'm in. Yeah. But the caveat of that is that we're kind of interchangeable. Whereas with everybody on the show, most of those people have been on the same show for years and years and years. And they've developed like uh, a very big... Um, like a family, you know, yeah. they're like a family and, and the company is really good about that because back when they had, uh, the same company that did, uh, Bar Ringling, Barnum and Bailey's, mm -hmm. like they did the circus and the way that that would go is you would basically live on a train and so you would meet people on the train, you'd have relationships on the train, you'd have children on the train yeah. and like, you know, like a lot right. of those people were born on a train and lived on a train and then, you know, that, that's like their whole life. Yeah. So the company, when they, they became very family forward, very family friendly. So they, they encourage like relationships and, and like they try to be very supportive. It's actually a really wonderful company to work for. Um, 
So even if you if you travel a lot, they try to do what they can to accommodate things like that. But you get more of that from the show side than you do from the ice side, just because we by nature have to be able to like, hey, we need you in this city. They need they need ice guys there. Oh, then we now we need you to bounce over to this city. We need you here. So uh, you know you might okay, wind up on so a tour. You're like managing like a bunch of different. Not all at once. Like when I'm in a city, I've got we put that floor down and then I manage that you're floor there. and then and then once we're done, I'm I'm done and I'm out. Is there a lot to do in between? Between setting it up and taking it back down again? No, really. It's mostly like um, like any other ice floor would be where you make sure that it doesn't melt. And right. then you <laughs> make sure that, like, because they are doing, like, stunts and stuff like that, so you'll get chips in the ice and things, and that can trip people. Mm-hmm. So you, you basically, you try to do any repair work on the ice, and then you make sure that the ice floor doesn't melt. And if something equipment-wise maybe malfunctions, then you, you do all that. Yeah. But it's mostly just maintenance. The, the bulk of your work is going to come in when you're putting the floor in and then when you're taking it back out. Right. Yeah. So, That's but it's, cool. it's, honestly, it's a great job. It was super rewarding. I loved being able to... Um, travel obviously and and putting on a show where like you go out and one of the things that we do is i i would uh you know we, you always check the floor before the show performers go on because you want to make sure that it's good to go um and and so you're walking out and around the floor and you're checking out the floor but you're also you're in you're kind of in the crowd you're walking around the edge of the floor and like you just see all these kids that are so excited to see Mickey and Minnie and yeah. all these characters and like whatever show you got going on and it's it's just such a blast like it's I loved I love being able to be a part of that like entertainment it, I I am still very much in the entertainment industry and I loved that aspect that was yeah. something that was very important to me and then on top of the, that the fact that I get to travel and that I get paid pretty well for doing so it you I was like, also enjoy making people happy oh yeah sure. <laughs> Which, and that's that goes back to like again you know we're all we're not all one thing we're kind of right. a bunch of different things it's just what are you predisposed to Right. And being a four, honestly, is the most depressing thing you could ever want to be. It sucks, dude. Like, I <laughs> I was watching this video. This is actually what I was going to say earlier. I was watching this video of this guy, and he was describing fours. And I had never felt so, like, understood. Yeah. The guy was talking about it with not like a, not like a, oh, wow, that's so depressing. Or that's so, like, he his entire reaction was, that's so interesting and i've never felt like somebody was so invested in like understanding me and i I was just like i honestly dude i haven't i haven't like wept in eight years (laughs) i have not been able to weep in eight years but i got as close to that as i have ever been because i was like oh this guy cares (laughs) it was so it was just so nice to like have somebody but that's kind of the nature of fours is that like we're were what they call the like I said the individual lone wolf were the romantics uh, we're you know what the simplest way to break us down I don't come across this way at all and it's only because I have ADHD so I'm all over the freaking place I'm but, gonna be sorry, sorry go ahead real go ahead. quick I'm gonna be really fucking scared if the reason why my favorite number is four is four <laughs> saying that well it depends are you the brooding type or are you the type that's in the corner like <sighs> Life is so dark, and, and I'm just trying to find my place in it, but I'm unique, and I don't fit in anywhere. Because if that's you, you might be a four. You might be a four. If you were an emo in school, you might Definitely be a four. Definitely is sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, that's, that yes. is 
sure. Sometimes. Yeah, and again, I everybody don't know if that's is. The baseline, is that the predominant it, thing right. that you know? But that's the funny thing, right? Is I never would have thought that that's like I again. I'm so like out there, and I'll talk about friggin' anything under the sun. I talk way too much. Yeah. So and I'm so like I'm such an open book that I'm like that. I'm not. I'm not mysterious at all. I can't be. I'm not very good at being aloof. But I think that's just because I have ADHD. At my core, I am like I may come across as super happy all the time. But I'm such a broken, bleeding heart on the inside, 24-7. Mm. Like, basically, yeah. uh, where all of our sort of feelings come from, apparently, is that we have this sense of, like, somewhere, sometime in our lives, we feel, doesn't even have to have actually happened, but we feel like love was robbed of, like, taken from Ooh. us. And because <laughs> of that, because of God, that... everything hurts! <laughs> everything right? hurts! Right? I get it, I get it. But because of that... Our, basically, our life's mission is to find the soulmate, but we never feel like we'll ever find it. So we're like, we're this paradox of like, of my, I'm, my life is incomplete unless I find a soulmate, but I'll never find the a soulmate. hopeless romantic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We are the epitome <laughs> of hopeless romantic. And so like, it's, it's honestly I like, they, it's, you should. <laughs> it's, it's, in my mind, it is the most, and what's funny about all of that is that it's kind of born of this preconceived notion of like we're different. There's yeah. some we don't fit in. There's something about us that just doesn't make us normal. And the truth is, we probably are as much normal as anybody else. And we couldn't tell you why we're special or why we're different or why we don't fit in. We just right. feel like we don't. Yeah. And same thing is like we feel like no one will ever love us, which could be complete bullshit. Yeah. But we feel probably. like that. And it's, and it's, so it's, yeah, like I said, I look at it as like the most depressing of, yeah. of all of them, you know? And well, see, and a lot of that also like overlaps a lot with like symptoms of abuse and PTSD yes. and stuff like that sure. of like feeling sure. like you're not ever going to be loved or feeling like something was robbed yep. of you, feeling like you can't, you know. And I don't know which one comes first. I don't know if the personality right. sort yeah, of like, exactly. is like, if it's born of the PTSD and the trauma or if like the trauma was kind of inevitable because that's just who you are. Well, see, now we're back know. to determinism. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's... But I guess, I guess technically I, I, you would have to say that the, the abuse the, the personality followed the abuse because that's it says in the description that it's a perceived loss of love so if you actually were robbed of love on some level if it was PTSD or abuse or whatever then yes I think that would sort of spur that personality on but that it can come across even if like like for instance my parents were divorced but I never felt like ni either of my parents didn't love me M my step parents have made it very apparent that they love me like I have a really wonderful family and I know that but I also know that for some reason it feels like it feels like they just have to love me. Yeah. So, you know, like... You so, would say that. <laughs> <laughs> Nature of a four, I guess. That's... Like, none of it feels like it's freely given. Like, I've said many times to myself that I have never felt like anybody has ever needed to be with me. Yeah. I've always felt very much like, like, uh, like I'm the one that needs to be with other people and that they're just mm. kind of there until, like, they're, they're yeah. just like, yeah, I guess you'll fit the bill until someone else better comes along. Which is fucking hard. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Right. Oh! It's heartbreaking. It's and you're like no. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. I know it's it's, it's the worst. Which is again not to, 
I'm not gonna do his bit, but Frank has a bit about exactly this, but with his therapist. I'm sure he does. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Frank is kind of a fool. I, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I, and so now that I've been reading this, now I'm just curious as to what everybody is. I'm like, I want to know. Yeah. Because like, I look at myself and I'm like, oh, I see. Like, I I used to watch the show Californication. Yeah. I love that fucking show. And I look at Hank Moody and I'm like, that motherfucker is a four, guaranteed. <laughs> he's like always never, you know, never gets to have the love that he wants, but he's like super. I don't know. Yeah. I could be wrong, but he's, he strikes right. me as a four. And, and like when I took the test, I very much did identify with. I think it's. I think it's two. If I remember, if it's helper, yeah, that's two. Okay, yeah, yeah. You cool. like you you like to go above and beyond. You like to help people. You want to be. Yeah. You're very, oh, I very a people much, very yeah. much identified sure. with that pathway or that personality, personality type. type. Yeah. But also a lot of stuff you're saying about four, I think I relate to, but mostly due to trauma. And so, but and I think that's that's the thing is like I don't know. Am I which. Which I don't know, because I actually found that I was kind of like between a two and a four. I'm very much a people pleaser, yeah. but I don't know if that's because of my like, oh, I need love, you know, yeah. if that's what that is, or if it's just, I. which, okay, but so. On that same note, I will say with Brittany, I do not feel whatsoever like she is like faking it or like she's just saying she loves me because she has to or because right. it's like part of the thing now. Sure, I sure. very much know that like she could definitely, she's. A strong, independent black woman <laughs> go off and do her own thing whenever yeah. the fuck she felt like it. Right. She doesn't need me for anything other than the fact that I'm me and she loves me. Right. Like that. So and that's maybe I am wonderful. immune to that part of it. So I was like, going to say. And so, and I think that's kind of, so one of the thing I will say though, is that I think it's two, three, and four are what they call, uh, their worry warts no they come no, well you're not far they come from like a place of worthlessness right mm. where they feel like yeah. they're val they're, they feel worthless yeah. and they're value my way right so from what i read uh two the 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 they satiate that sort of worthlessness or they they sort of try to stamp that down by being overly helpful right yeah. so that's where that comes in or uh for threes i think they're like the achievers so their thing is like i'm going to become i'm going to overcome my worthlessness through um, doing a lot and getting a lot of shit done and just being a very successful person. I think that which might, might have been, been your ex. What I yeah. ex was. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, that might have been Overachiever. Right. Fucking. Whereas the fours, and so the fours are the ones that will sit with it. And a lot of people say that they're the most empathetic of them because they're not afraid. They like. <laughs> yeah. Bane, right? Like you, you, right. you adopted the darkness. I was born in a molded body. Exactly. That's that's the that's the four. It's like we're like no no no. I life is pain, but I live in this pain. I'm used to this pain. This is kind of my norm, yeah. and because of that, we are very empathetic when people have like. It's also very stoic. It is. It kind of is. Very stoic. <laughs> so when people have very like emotional, like I don't know how to deal with this, we empathize with that so well because we're like, oh, I get it. I've been there. It's okay, you know. And like, um, so if someone is like, I need a good cry. Whereas a lot of other people would be like, I'm. I don't know how to handle this. I'm like, I get it. Do it. Do it. Cry. <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> which is like, I'm here for you. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I'm here for you. Let's do this. You know, because I get it. I've been there. And so we empathize. But ironically, that also makes us we're uh, very creative types. Because we can yeah. identify with that sorrow, and if we if we manage to find a way to um, adapt that into a creative outlet, we make some of the most 
argue uh, some of the most objectively beautiful art yeah. because it's something everybody can identify with but most of us don't like live in that and yeah. and so because we do we are capable of um you know like i said once we find a way to sort of cultivate that into an outlet we are able we're capable of portraying that in a way that anybody can identify with and they're just like oh yeah. like vincent van gogh was a four yeah. And you're so you want you look at Vincent you know you look at uh, uh, Van Gogh art pieces and you I don't know whether you're into art or not I don't know but oh, if, yeah if you look Especially at Van, Van Gogh, Gogh pieces you're just like a lot of times you're very moved and you see there's yeah. they're very dark a lot of times and also very like oh. nothing more creative than ice floors but right yeah. <laughs> no for sure not uh, not my creative outlet I'm I'm still trying to find that I've gotten into the, whittling uh, I don't, I don't oh, know nice maybe love, that'll be a thing I absolutely love whittling yeah. I am probably terrible at it but I used to do it all yeah, the time in Boy Scouts yep same and like it's just such a satisfying yes. the shaving of the wood like absolutely. I could literally just shave a piece of wood down to a nothing exactly and just have fun doing that just shaving wood with a knife and that's why I'm hoping but, I can get into that and if I begin to develop I'm, I might because like I feel like I would be very good at like I can't paint for shit I can't draw for shit mm. but I think I can sculpt tactile I yeah that's I, me I think I, I can. can draw I can paint abstract stuff sure <laughs> and like I can sculpt some fucking yeah. clay, though. You give me some tools, I will make I'll it. I'll figure it out. It may I look mean. horrible, but I'll get my point across. Yeah. And so that's why I feel like if I could get this into is art. Legos. Legos my, is another great way, yeah. Medium. Exactly. Because, like, the pieces Sorry, are already right. there. Yes. I just have to connect them in the right yep. way. Like, it's not, um, I can't, like, mess up a brush stroke right. and, like, screw up the whole painting. Yeah, I yeah. can't, like, I don't have to, like, erase anything. I can just take it back apart and put it back together the sure. way that it needs to be. Yeah. Like... It, it, it's a great outlet for the creative without having to like I it's... fucking I got a iPad Pro with a Apple Pencil at one point from yeah. my ex's parents nice. and like that drawing experience mm -hmm. changed my fucking entire world view on like being creative yeah. in that type of format because like it's digital so like you can change you can use whatever color, utensil, paintbrush, pencil, markers, yeah. highlighter, whatever the fuck you want to use to draw with, it feels like you're drawing with that thing using this pencil. Right. And then on top of that, you make an error or something, you just double tap the screen and it's it gone. Goes. Whatever nice. the last stroke you did is gone. That's nice. And then like, you can s select shapes, make perfect circles, yeah. make perfect squares, whatever you want to do to the thing yeah. it was an entirely different experience to where i could actually express myself creatively through a medium that that's was nice. like i never thought i would be able to and yeah so i mean that's that's one of those things that i feel like i should get into i tried learning to draw i just i'm bad at like i don't have a very steady hand and i'm bad at right same. and like just like if i tried to draw a circle it would come out looking like a like awful just like squares yeah. look terrible you know squiggly right. lines and i can't make things line up quite right and it's i just drawing is just not my medium and i could practice at it and try and figure it out i've always liked um i've i've, I've always had a fascination with writing music because i feel like that's mm. one really good way of getting things out but i'm terrible at it i can't play an instrument for the life of I, me <laughs> Um, so like the, preaching in the choir. Yeah, I mean, my life uh. has been pretty much a constant struggle. Like, what is my medium? And I know that I can act, and I should refine that if I want to do it. But it, acting is such like I kind of hate that acting is my preferred medium because it is such an arduous process. You can't well, just that, and you are the clay at that point. Yes, and you're the clay, and you, you can't just like nothing is just dependent on you and you alone. 
You right. have to. You it's need, not uh, your you need creation. Equipment. You are the. You're the action figure being yeah. posed. I mean, now you could I go mean, out and do. You could write your own sketches and do your own filming and things like that. But like, there's so much that goes into it. There's so many other outside factors. Whereas, if I'm like a painter, I got my brushes, I got my paint, I got my canvas. That's it. And, right. I'm, I'm, and then, and then that's why I like stand up. See, and so I was going to say, stand-up, I feel like, is, like, that's... So Lego is one way to get, like, sort of get the creativity going, but I don't think it would ever be quite enough for you to completely feel creative because it's not you. Right. You're creating yeah. somebody else's project. Whereas with your stand-up, you cre get to create that, and that is your yeah. outlet Start of yourself. Exactly. And then people praise you for it on the spot when you perform exactly, it. Exactly, yeah, immediate, immediate satisfaction, which is nice. Or yeah. dissatisfaction, depending or, on how it goes. Uh, uh, but, but that's all kind of part of It's been going all right lately. But. Oh, there you go, and that's um, great. So I think for me it's just trying to find my outlet that is, like, as much as I love acting, it's, again, it's one of those things that's just such an arduous process. Yeah. I, d I don't know how to, d I can't do that on the road, I can't yeah. do that if I'm not stable in one place, so it's like, what can I find that I can do anywhere? So far, trying to pick up whittling. You know. Whittling, podcasting, podcasting is a good one. Work. I'm trying to set up TVs like, and shit so I can start to stream in my car, see if I can do like Let's Plays, because I love nice. playing that, yeah. know, video games and stuff. I was actually thinking about proposing that we do this in the van. But yeah. <laughs> Honestly, so it would... Ah, no, I guess technically we could do it, because uh, I, I had to take... I, I had a bunch of shit in the back. I mean, this is literally the whole setup. It's the laptop and the microphone. No, I know. I just had, like, bumpers the, and, um, oh, and like, yeah. other stuff that was, like, taking up room that, like, there wouldn't have been room to sit. But it's out now, so if you if you had wanted to, we could have done it. Eh, it's late now. Yeah, I was like, we're, <laughs> but, we're in it now. But it... Um, just to, like, go to show, like, that's something you could literally do from your van. Yeah. Could, True. You know, True. literally, it's a computer and a microphone or yep. even then you can technically do it from your phone if uh, i really wanted but to if I you really wanted yeah. to and like i'm sure being that close to like the you know all the ice skaters and the other people that work with you and mm -hmm. the other people that set up the sets and that's a whole fucking world yeah. that people know almost nothing about sure and then, and i guess i would have to find out what all I, again i'm, yeah, I'm kind of right, flying dark yeah. i don't know what all i can talk about but i would think like I'm, I think, so we can talk about our experiences, you know, obviously outside of it. what's way more interesting than, like, any of the specifics that mm -hmm. a company is ever going to care about copywriting right. is, like, people's personal stories yeah. and their lives and their actual experiences yep. with what's been going on. And, and nine times out of ten, especially, like, when you're on tour, a lot of times that has nothing to do with the show at all. Right. It's just like, oh, yeah. I was in this crazy city. Like, I got crazy stories about being hammered drunk in Belgium, and, like, that's great, you know? Yeah. It has nothing to do with the show at all, I, right. you know, other than the fact that it was a travel day. And so Although it being out. tied to Disney, I would definitely be... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I don't know that they care all that much, to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure oh. they know that we do stupid shit all the time, so... Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, I'm not... I hate to move you, kitty, but I think I gotta go get some more wine. You need, here, I got you, dog. Oh, thank you. Don't worry. Well, I'm just still yeah. Oh, careful. I'm sorry, I know. Up. Can I can I grab you here and then just guide you down? <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. We're good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. It's just a butt. I know. I got us so booty. No, I get it. I'm sure, buddy. Poor baby. Oh, uh, gotta go back and just got him vexed. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. I get it though. He's just so yeah. small too. I'm sure it hurts like crazy. Didn't want him getting COVID, so. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> um, oh, boy. What was I going to say? I don't know. Just, yeah, man. It's, podcasting has been, it 
at the very least, is a cool outlet. Yeah. Not a lot of feedback. Well, <laughs> so, actually, me and a friend of mine um, were talking about, uh, we had mentioned doing something around music, because music mm. is one of those things that we both, like, we, I like, I adore music. I, it's, it's, if I ever had the option, I think I would have become a musician of some kind. I love music. It is how I... It's honestly how I express myself just through listening to it. Like, when I'm depressed, I mm. want to listen to really depressing music. When I'm I feel really amped up, I want to listen... very but, much the same way. Yep, That's I, why I absolutely love Beat Saber. Oh, fair. I've never played it. Oh, my God. You got to try it. I've yeah. got it. Oh, dude, so, you have it? Yeah, yes. I'm going to have to try it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's my thing. It's like, I just, I love, I love, like, I, I tried to get into Guitar Hero, and I'm just bad at it. Not, and my fingers aren't very good at that, articulating. See, that I did pretty well at. Yeah. And then, like, real guitar, it was like, nope, sorry, Well, I'm going to say, it's work. a whole other thing. You, yeah. What you could get into, if you wanted to learn, is Rocksmith. Mm, yeah, see, and I've had that, like, offered a couple of times, which, like, yeah. I know, like, I've got a guitar, I know a few chords, Same. I know some stuff. Yeah, I can kind of, like, I can, I can fuck around, little, I can yeah. play Wonderwall, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> I can play Remembering Sunday, that's fine. play Smoke on the Water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, I can do the intro to Sweet Child of Mine, mm. so there's that. I started to learn, um, Sweet Home Alabama. Mm, yeah, nice. it's not easy. It's no, different. it's not. Yeah. Nope. Leonard Skinner was a actual good guitarist. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. The, the, or whoever his guitarist. Yeah, I was. was. Say, I don't remember who the guitarist in the band was, but yeah, I mean, is Leonard Skinner a band or a person? Oh, it's a band. It's like fucking ten, ten people. Okay. It's a full blown thing. All right. It's not actually ten people. I don't. I don't but it's, it's like a, it's six a or whole seven. band. Yeah, it's a whole band. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they named themselves Leonard Skinner. Leonard, it's not even Leonard. It's Leonard. Leonard, Leonard. Leonard Skinner. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so that's kind of my outlet, and I love it. I've tried writing music before. I've tr- I'm just. I think I would be better at it if I knew how to either one um, make beats and like use like a Fruity Loops or something like that, some sort of like like yeah. engine that would allow me to create the sounds, you know or just learn an instrument. I have just... no idea how to do it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, if I were to buy something, I'd be like... And then you loop that, and then... <laughs> See, we just made a song. There you go. You just got a beat. Yeah. Somebody rapped to that. I could do that. I could do that. But, um... I don't know. I, I, this comes, again, uh, all about experiences, and being such, I am uh, one of those jack-of-all-trades expert of absolutely fucking nothing. So, I'm just... Yeah. I, I have, like... I'm a man of many hats. I have my hand... My, like... My, a finger dipped in every little thing, but never so deep that I can ever actually, like, perfect any of it. Um, I was just thinking the other day about how crazy it would be to have all ten of your fingers in ten different buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it would be very painful because to spread your fingers far enough to get into ten different it buttholes... Would would be like hard. it would be weird it would be very hard you'd have to have very tiny asses mm. yes. and very long um. and wide fingers you'd have to have them like organized in like a star pattern mm. like legs going oh. every which way mm. and just oh <laughs> mm. see but i didn't say human buttholes oh no no <laughs> if you had a bunch of very tiny cats you could pull this off oh. <laughs> I was thinking like hamsters or something. Oh, fair. Well, I don't. I don't know. I think if you've stuck your finger in a hamster's butthole, you might tear it in half. So <laughs> it's gotta be big enough that it's not gonna die if you try it. Oh. Let's not. <laughs> let's not and say we did. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe let's not even say we did. <laughs> I don't know that anybody can wants to know that. 
Oh, oh man, that's funny. Did you ever think working at GameStop in 2012 mm. would lead to this? <laughs> no, not at all, dude. I didn't. First of all, I I loved that job. That was actually one of oh, the yes. only jobs Same. that I ever loved. Fucking amazing. I just wish it paid better. Same. You know? Yeah, I would still do that job today yes. if I could I make be a forty thousand a game year. Advisor. Yeah. If I could make Fuck yeah. Fucking if I could make for, my my end game is anyway. It used to be seventy thousand. I think I've told you this before. Mm-hmm. It used to be seventy thousand. These days, it's closer to like. 110. Yeah, something like that. I just want to just, I mean, that yeah. would be enough. That's above and beyond what I need. 70,000 is enough for me to live and have right. a family and just do the thing. Right. Um, but like 100,000 is enough for me to go above and beyond to be able to start like investing and maybe start a business one day and like yeah. more than I actually need, which is kind of what I want. Which 70,000, I think, is like the median of like money can buy you happiness. Uh huh. I don't know if you've like seen that There's study. The, I think it's called the Bell Curve or the Bell something, something about that. Like yeah, that. where they it was a guy that did a whole study on like there's like uh, income to happiness ratio that again like it goes up at a certain and then at a certain point it peters out and it starts to go back down because after that point you start having to pay a lot more in taxes and you have everybody and their mother is like right. hey I know you Plus, make a lot of money can I borrow it. some right you don't it's need just it. excessive yeah it's just excessive yeah. once all of your worries are taken care of. Mm-hmm. It's just excessive at that and point. So the reason that that changed, that's where I got my 70000 from, was that. But I th- it changed because I think that, honestly, nowadays, especially I mean, with inflation. like inflation and things, I think it's a little bit more than 70000 yeah. I just don't know how much that right. is. Right, that study was like five years ago, maybe? So I think like, it was more than that. I think it was like 10 or 15, 20, something like that. Currency halved in value since then? Yeah, so that's <laughs> why I'm like, okay, I should probably look more towards like 100000 Yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, it's crazy how fast inflation is moving now, oh, especially dude, since insane. COVID. It's insane. I don't like it. And I wanted to like, go back down eventually. Not that I'm an economist or anything, but holy shit, even people at McDonald's are getting paid more. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd see the day when well, McDonald's paid more than seven twenty-five an hour. Yeah, well, a big part of the problem is the fact that, uh, especially now, with COVID, what we've realized is... Nobody wants to go back to work because the unemployment benefits were actually more than what people were getting paid. And they were like, well, why would I go back? And they've since gotten rid of that, I think. But still, people had a taste of it. And they're like, why am I working for pennies? Yeah. But then to offset that, which they don't have to do, the reality is you can offset that by just taking less money as a CEO, which you should do. Right. You should not be making... A hundred plus times the amount of your lowest employee. You don't need to make that much. A thousand plus times. You don't need to make that much. You don't. don't. And the CEO could take a pay cut and still be fine and still have more than enough money to get by. But they won't. Most of their income probably isn't even from their job job at McDonald's. It's assets and investments. And credit lines and and things like that. Houses that they own. All this shit. And they're just making four times what they make as the CEO in investments, and then the CEO money is just gravy anyway. Yeah, exactly. And you're keeping all of it for what? Yep. But the thing is, no one wants to do that. And it's not even just the CEO. It's You're talking board members. And a lot of the board members, right. are, you know, they're all, everybody's going to have, they have to yeah. agree to even take a pay politicians. cut. politicians. Uh-huh. They all have to agree to take a pay cut so that they can pay their employees more without having to pay more or to charge more for the prices for their things, the product. Yeah. But they won't do it. So yeah, because everybody's always like, and everybody. If you if you raise the minimum wage, the prices are going to go up. And that's that's the thing. They don't have to, but everybody already prices accepts. Prices have been going up anyway, and they've been going up anyway. And everybody already accepts that that's just how things are. Yeah. If you raise the price, the the employee rate, the CEOs just aren't going to take a pay cut. And because they accept that. 
the CEOs get to get away with it. If yeah. people would say, no, fuck you, you don't get to do that, I'm not going to buy your product because you're an asshole, yeah. then then they wouldn't be able to get away. It's like, okay, then we force them into this position of, okay, do we want to take a pay cut or do we want to completely lose our jobs? Yeah. yeah. Um, but like people forget that the consumers and the workers have all the power. Mm-hmm. But every capitalist... Just look at fucking Kellogg's. Oh, yeah. But capitalism has convinced everybody that none of us have the power, that they ultimately have the power. And because they've convinced us of that, we're so, we believe it so thoroughly, we're not willing to sacrifice a paycheck or two to make our point. And so, like, if everybody all together said, you know what, fuck you, I'm not coming into work. All at the same time. Yes, you might miss a couple paychecks because they're waiting for you to, pay, to, to, to wait it out. Mm-hmm. But there's going to come a point where they go, we can't sustain this. We need workers. Yeah. So we're going to we're gonna give them what they want. Right. The problem is you can... It's also, happening now. It, to some degree, to, but also like, sometimes not. So like that's, that's where you get the concept of unions from, right? right. And unions, um, a lot of people are anti-union because they see them as corrupt. But if you look at the entertainment industry, it's chock full of unions. And they're mm-hmm. very successful. Right. The IATSE just went on strike. And I don't, I don't remember if they got what they, what they asked for, but I'm sure they did. So... Um, there's a last week tonight episode. Mm. Uh, John Oliver, I assume. You've yeah, seen yeah, that. No, yeah, I love that show. Oh yeah, fantastic. Was that he, one of his main bo- story? Fuck Bob, whatever. Have you ever seen that one? Uh, probably. There's a whole I clip. Think, I'm gonna have to show you. I think you after I've this. seen almost every episode. Okay, I don't know, maybe not some of the last season, but I just recently got HBO Max and started watching the ones from this last year. Mm-hmm. And there was an episode where the main story was about unions. And there was, like, all this stuff. I, you gotta watch that um, too. Uh, yeah, well, I'll check it out. Um, I have HBO Max, so I'll have to check it out. Hell yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was all about how, like, you know, there's all this propaganda from large corporations about how unions are fucking awful yeah. and this and that. Because you're gonna take your money to do things. You gotta pay union dues. Yeah. But, like, in reality, if you pay union dues, you're gonna get a raise to a living wage, which is going to be way more than the union dues are going to cost you. And that's not to say that unions cannot be corrupted. They absolutely can't be. I mean, obviously, you look at Teamsters and Jimmy Hoffa and all that shit. But um, ultimately, you're paying dues to have a representative that you hope and pray actually has your best interest at heart. But we've seen that it can be done because the entertainment industry has but done it. But also with unions, you have voting power. You do have voting power. And Whereas, like, you know, just working for a company, you have no say whatsoever but then you also have the problem of like how do you get an entire group of thousands of people to agree on one thing you yeah. don't always a lot of times it's split down the middle and then so it's like it's it, it is hard to have a union it's yeah you know there's no playing around that and on top of that like is the popular vote really always the right way to go sometimes you know <laughs> how educated are you on the subject how how much right. do you know about what's happening here yeah um and so yeah no i mean i get it there's there are pitfalls with uh with unions but i tend to lean towards the idea that ultimately when a group of people are being regulated or being told what to do and being compensated for what for for that exact thing that the power should not belong in the people who are paying the bills yeah. it should belong to the people who are being asked to do the thing it's very it should right. very much like in a like in a like in a typical submissive dominant role right it's the submissive that actually has all the power because if they say stop we stop Right. That's it. End yeah. game. You know, that's the end of the story. The dom immediately goes into aftercare and moves on. That's kind of the same relationship we should have with in our corporations. The people that are being told what to do and being given the the, the reward for it should ultimately be able to say no. 
start doing BDSM classes with the upper class, like, CEOs. <laughs> sure, exactly. Like, That's what made Christian Grey such a shitty CEO, because he was a terrible dog. Oh, yeah, right. I, I, I used to date this girl that was like, I, I've been reading these, and, like, my life has been basically a... a First of all, the fact that an ex is telling me that her life is currently a uh, Fifty Shades of Grey story, I'm like, I don't need to know oh. that. Thank you for reminding oh. me that you're being that you're being dominated in ways that I never did. Right. Cool. Appreciate and that. Also, like shittily. But then I was gonna say, but then yeah. the other side of that is that's abuse. That's not good. Yeah, you right. shouldn't be happy about that. Bro, I just can't believe that. Like, I watched that first movie, and first of all, like, refused, refused to watch it. I. T- Look, I was like, ooh, they're going to be some kinky... I had no idea. Yeah, no, I didn't I read it. the book. I, it was like when it first came out. Yeah. I was with a girl at the time who wanted to go see it. I was like, all right, this seems cool. like hot, and I'd get laid afterwards. <laughs> right. Like, it was like... It was barely sexy. Mm-hmm. Just barely. And then on top of that, like... At the very end, like, her last straw is him spanking her with a belt. Like, he's done <laughs> so much worse shit up to that point. Oh, no. And then she's like, you spanked my ass with a belt? Which is something that's that, just like, too freaky. That's, I was going to say, that's something that I'm pretty sure I've been asked to do in every single one of my sexual right, encounters. Yeah. Probably so... the most vanilla thing <laughs> yeah. in the whole fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not a lot. But no, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's like they flipped everything backwards. For some reason, the physical aspect of it was was the most abusive, which is oftentimes not because it's all about how you do it and right. do you have consent and having it, fun, having safe words and all yeah. that stuff. And then it was the emotional side that they completely glossed over, which is the worst part. You like you don't get to like uh, manipulate and ab- and like control people like that, especially when you're not in the bedroom. There's a very clear division between what you're doing in the bedroom and what you do when you're out and about. Yeah. It's why you have safe words. It's why you have aftercare. It's to remind you that, okay, that part is done now. Now we're back to who we really are, and it's okay, and I'm here for you. And I'm going to, like, yeah. more often than not, the doms in the bedroom are the most submissive people in real life, and it's the exact opposite for, like, submissive people who tend to be more dominant in life. Yeah. They, you know, it's like we kind of exude what we want to in life in the bedroom that's why i'm such a fucking weirdo because i flipped the script i was like no i'm just gonna be who i am all the time i'm just a dumb 24 7 or sub or whatever yeah okay yeah so like all the time and i mean you know there are knowing that about myself there are times when i know like okay this is not a situation where i need that i need to switch if you will (laughs) Uh, are you a a verse (laughs) don't you let Frank but there are times when it's right yeah Frank will fucking um, (laughs) have a fucking fit but anyway there are times when uh, when you do need to like step up and be like okay I'm in charge now and this is how things need to go and especially like so I do electrical work I'm an electrician for residential houses and stuff and I've been doing this for society or sex life (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing this for like six years now and when I first it ties into the entire podcast okay great (laughs) Um, so I've been doing this for like six years now and it's to the point where like you know as we said earlier big fish little pond type of thing like I got to the point where I had the opportunity to move into a bigger pond Mm -hmm. and I tried it out for a bit and I was like no, fuck this. I like being... I like being big in the little I pond. I like being in this pond. Yeah, sure. It's nice. And then I started realizing that that meant that, like, okay, well, now I am that, and I need to start taking, like, that sort of role of 
leadership or responsibility or like there are people now that I'm training sure. that yeah. are like when I first started I was like always the one like okay what do I do here yeah. okay am I doing this right like I don't want to burn somebody's house down is, is this okay is right. this allowed is this up to code and yeah. now I'm the one who has to be like yeah that's good enough <laughs> like, it'll work it'll be fine don't yeah. worry about it it's no, an I, attic I get that <laughs> nobody will ever notice <laughs> I um, get that for sure but so it's just been a weird uh, transition into that, especially at work. And then on top of that, like electrical work, just tying in another part of the podcast mm-hmm. is another place where I can do something creative and yeah. almost artistic. I'm literally bending fire to my fingertips. Sure. Like, and like doing a panel and making everything look all nice and neat is just heaven to me yeah <laughs> well hey maybe i could ask your help with my fucking solar situation because it's a nightmare i can look into it i haven't yeah. done anything with solar or vehicles but um i mean i get how i get the pathway of the wires but in terms of like figuring out what wattage the voltage mm-hmm. and shit like that that i need i'm just lost oh fuck so, math it's yeah it's the worst um but i feel like it's a good time to wind down to the end of this episode sure and one thing i've been asking at the ends of the episodes to the guests is um if there's something that you want to like that you would want to try and communicate to like the entire rest of the world if they were listening Hmm. there's one like piece of advice or something that you would want to say to everybody out there what would it be and it can be as long or brief or whatever as you want it Oh, God, I've never even been asked that, honestly. Um, I don't know, man. I guess um, stop acting like you fucking know everything. <laughs> honestly, like, I mean, I and, and this is probably as much advice for me as it is for anybody else. Like, I, I tend to overthink everything, and, and I try to look at it from the exact angle that it's going to come from, and every time it winds up that I was 100% wrong. It doesn't matter how much I thought about it. Like, I just, there's so many people that, like, I don't know, like, most, most conflict, most issues, most... Um, Hard set opinions oftentimes lead to those conflicts of like, oh no, this is how it is, and then other people have differing viewpoints. So like, I don't know, man. I just I, I hate the idea of somebody who feels like they know everything and just won't be more open minded to the idea of like maybe I'm wrong, maybe there's another perspective, you know. So just you know, nobody knows everything, and that's okay. It's all right. We're all fucking confused. We're all kids raising kids. We don't know it. So just be okay with that. Kill your owners. Yeah, but Got it. if it was really that secret, you wouldn't have heard about it. Yeah. Like- Zzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz